stay in Malaysia. Welcome to I Malaysia's sixth ever podcast. I'm Kai Shi and I'll be your host for this podcast. Hello ASEAN, can you hear me? So today we're super excited to have two amazing speakers, Danish and Insan from the External Affairs of Iron Malaysia. So hi guys, how are you guys doing today? Hey, doing fine. Great. Hello, hi. It's our honor to have you guys too. Thank you, Kai. Yeah, I'm good as well. And I'm very humble to be invited in this podcast for today. Thank you. All right. So we realized that you picked a topic on police brutality. It's a very interesting topic, right, guys? Um, but I would like to ask, uh, what's your opinion on it and uh, whether you have had any experience with police brutality or, you know, any, any anything in particular about police brutality. So let's go with Danish first and then uh, Intan after. Well, if, uh, I, I think police brutality is a more specific context. The police abusing their power. There are actually many other ways that the police can do so, like, you know, verbally, wrongly conduct and just simply not doing things accordingly. You know, my experience, I don't think I've ever actually experienced police brutality myself. And I really hope I won't ever face that. Nah. <laughs> um, what about like um, the recent issues? I'm sure you're, you're aware of it, right? Why has police uh, brutality become the main topic lately? This brutality that has been the main topic lately, I actually thought about this a lot. Like why now? It's because of, you know, custodial death. We actually had that long, long time ago. But why now? Again, I really think it's the United States effect, <laughs> as we all know. The movement that started at the United States, Black Lives Matter, BLM, after the death of mm-hmm. George Floyd. And this has been actually a wake-up call to the society at large. Telling them that, hey, this is wrong. This is obviously wrong. This is police misconduct. Put it into a more specific context, this is police brutality. Thanks to education and sense of sympathy that we have right now, we know that police may act in a certain way, but taking someone else's life is wrong. Matter who you are, the police or the prime minister, you have a certain rule of conduct that you should follow. And you are not following it. You know, Malaysians are most civilized in this manner. We make protests and go out to the streets, stopping cars and stuff. We make petitions. We change our DP to black. And you know, sense of effective or not, maybe in changing the system wise, I don't think so lah. But if just simply advocating to spread awareness. It does. It totally does. Now people are more aware of what is going on. More than ever, we have all the names of every people who died during custody. Also the numbers. There is really something, you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Danish. What about Insan? Um, honestly, Kaish, I still have high opinions towards police officers. So I hope the topic that um, we're going to talk about today um will not cause people to misunderstand me because this doesn't apply to all police officers. And after all, yeah, after all, there are the individuals that arrest the culprit and keep everyone safe and secure. However, um, as I grew older, I realized that the world is not just black and white and my views on the police officers have changed as well. The increasing insights on um, cases of police brutality globally showed me and the world at large that when power is given to the wrong people with lack of scrutiny, things can get ugly real quick. And to answer whether I have any experience with police brutality, um, 
I would say it's not police brutality lah. It's uh, I guess it's under police misconduct. So um, this happened to me when I was nineteen or twenty years old, and it all started when I got scammed by an online seller in which that person went missing my money. So I was shocked when I slowly realized that I got scammed because that was like my first experience, you know, and I was a bit panicked. So um, later I went to a police station with my friends to accompany me. So there, as usual, uh, I made a police report. They asked me questions like how I got scammed and all. And yeah, but what is not normal is that there were, I think, like two young police who flirted with my friend asking for phone number. And well, at that time, I thought, um, I thought it was okay. Lah. I thought it was going to end there. But later that night, there was this one phone number who WhatsApp me and introduced himself as the uh, police from the police station where I made the report earlier. And um, he said uh, he want to get to know me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't want to sound like I'm not chill or what. Like, duh. the police just wanted to get to know me, cheering thing. Yeah, but it just makes me wonder, you know, how there is no confidentiality to our information. That they took the complainant's phone number for their personal use instead of regarding the report made. Do you understand me? Like, yeah, like, I bet I'm not the only person who has encountered this. I bet there are many too out there. And I'm sure coming from uh, Danish and Intan coming from the law background, I'm sure there's something called uh, Confidentiality Act or something, right? Uh, Intan, Danish, can you help me out with this? <laughs> um, or is it called uh, Client client Confidentiality, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, we have that Client Confidentiality among police and also the the persons who you know going to do reports and also from doctors and also to patients that's something you cannot just go out telling people what you went through with the clients you know client confidentiality mm-hmm. i think i think this is something that's lacking and uh, police officers in particular i think this is very important because out of all people um the citizens go to them complaining about their problems and and uh, situations or or accidents or whatever right and i think by them misusing or, or like intern mentioned misconduct something that shouldn't be happening but is still happening in today's world i i really don't see why and i i don't know why it's happening and uh, how can we stop them? But I do believe that something has to be done. But uh, yeah, in light of recent cases, right, um, of police misconduct and, uh, you know, police brutality and whatnot, why do you think uh, this thing happens? And what in particular ignites the motive of policemen to exercise the abuse of power in the first place? Like, do you particularly do you particularly think that um, it is a systematic issue stemming from a religious point of view or maybe a cultural or racial background? Uh, Danish, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> well, <clears throat> motives. Well, I'm not sure about motive, but I think this is more to a common practice that the police use in order to get answers. I think we all have seen movies where the police threat and force to the person you know, just squish them off just to get answers. And, you know, maybe it works. And this is why they're using it. But until that they knew works or not, so forced to get answers is not an ethical way to do it. 
proper procedures, you must follow that procedures. And since no one is there telling them that, hey, no, you cannot do this. It's wrong. You cannot use force to get answers, no matter how function it does. You know, then still something that they are using. I guess it is pretty unfair. You know, this is just, you know, my opinion on this. Uh, I think it's pretty unfair to say that it is a systemic issue coming from racist or religious background. And I think this is more to the system itself. The system is mm. already corrupted. The flaw in the system, right? Yes, exactly. If I may quote Jordan Peterson, I love watching his talks. He said that a particular number does not represent the whole behavior. Because there are many other factors that lead to it. Not just take one number and make conclusions out of it simply because one number is more controversial than the other. It's just simply being in denial. Mm-hmm. I think I think I completely agree with Danish, and I think in Intan's opening statement earlier, she mentioned about how uh, we shouldn't just judge the entire police force just because of this few policemen who uh, uh, have police misconduct or you know police brutality and whatnot. We should also respect them in the sense that they they strive to to make what's best, to do what's best for our society. But nevertheless, we shouldn't uh, deny the fact that there are certain flaws and certain issues that need to be resolved in the future for the better of our country. All right. What about Inza and what do you think about this in terms of the systemic issue and whatnot? Yeah, um, I think all these unjustified shootings um, mistreatments and deaths in custody, also the excessive use of force ignite because, um, I would say because of the absence of accountability within the police force itself, because when there is no accountability, the police will act in contravention of laws without the fears of investigation, and especially when it is supported by the higher ranks within the police leadership itself, and here consequently, the culture of impunity will begin to develop, and. I'm sorry, I respect your um, opinion, Danish, about the um, the race uh, point. But I think I have to disagree with that. Even though Malays, being the largest ethnic group in Malaysia, which account for the most deaths, statistics have shown that Indians make up a disproportionate amount of custodial deaths. And just recently, we were shocked with the news of the death of A. Ganapati, S. Babalan, and um, Surendra Shankar under the police custody. So the thing is, um, Kaish Danish, this is not the first time a Malaysian Indian has died under the police custody. Between 2010 to 2017, there were at least 1,600 deaths in Malaysian prisons. And according to Swaram, more than half of police custodial deaths are recorded to be Indian victims. So what does all of this mean? Racial discrimination is not something new. And as much as it sucks to believe it or to admit it, it has been ingrained into our subconscious since we were young. So we totally can't ignore the discrimination in the Indian community, not when it is clearly illustrated in statistics like this. Mm-hmm. Very well said, Intan. I must agree with that too. With recent issues that we've seen and the cases as mentioned by your statistics, uh, it is very saddening to hear the cases recently and uh, how um, there is no justice being served for the communities. Alright, so I'm particularly excited today because we have two law students and um, talking about this in particular, um, 
you know, we have two law students here and, you know, I'd like to ask your perspective in terms of, of law and regulation, right? So are there any existing laws or regulations that take accountability for police misconduct? Um, in, in particular, I'd like to ask uh, Intan first. Um, in your opinion, right, do you think uh, our law is sufficient enough in combating uh, police brutality? And do you think that we have loopholes in the laws? Like you mentioned earlier, to prevail justice. Mm, all right, so... To answer this, I think it is crucial to know um, like the chronology of the laws proposed and the one that is being implemented right now. So the government has created the EAIC in 2009, the Enforcement Agency Integrity Commission. And then later in 2019, the PH government submitted a proposed IPCMC bill, which stands for Independent Police Complaints of uh, Misconduct Commission. And then the current PN government withdrew the IPCMC bill because apparently the police objected to it. And instead, um, our government introduced an IPCC bill, uh, the Independent Police Conduct Commission, which, which is a major step backward from our existing law in terms of police accountability. So to answer whether our law is sufficient enough in combating police brutality, um, I acknowledge that death under the police custody can happen because of other reasons as well, besides police brutality. But this doesn't mean police brutality is ruled out when it comes to custodial death. I believe that sufficient in this context doesn't mean that um, doesn't mean that the current law that we already have right now um, is not is not enough. Just uh, we just needs to be uh, the law just needs to be amended, and at the same time, make sure to have a strict enforcement to it. Because there have been many cases where inmates have been beaten up or worse killed in custody. So this clearly shows that our law is not sufficient enough in combating police brutality because or else the figures um, should have come down, right? So this highlights the need for an overhaul of the whole system to tackle the problem. Thank you, Intan. What about Danish? What's your opinion on this? Um, I think Intan already mentioned all the um, existing law and also the upcoming laws that we have. But a more general one is we look at our Article 5 the federal constitution that no person should be deprived or be taken his life except when the law says so. So now, I'm really, really clear. No matter who you are, the police or even a higher body, even the prime minister, you have no rights to deprive someone else's life. I mentioned earlier, we have the law. Let the law decide. And we have the courts. Even better, the body that justify every law. Let the court decide the final decision. Then again, the existing law that we have right now, as mentioned by Intan, the EAIC, Force Agency Integrity Commission Act. I don't think many of us actually know this. But sadly, it is not really as functioning as how we hope it would be. Is there any room for complaint in this section, uh, in, this article, uh, in this act? Yes, section 23. Any consequences for every wrong conduct? Also, yes, we have section 24. Are we seeing any changes? Sadly, no, this is truly devastating. When, when people ask, is the, is the law sufficient enough to combat police brutality? Sufficient, maybe. I don't think sufficiency should be the focus on combating police brutality. It should be the efficacy of the law. We don't need more detailed sections or more acts. People would say, mm -hmm. we need more law, we need more sections on this. Go on, push all this bill. No, we don't need that. We already have that law. What we want is for the existing law to work and fully enforce. 
what are the assurance if we have more law, any of the law even work? In the current situation as the best example for quality over quantity, Akash, we have more than 60 ministers and deputy ministers combined. And our country is still losing to COVID. Our economy isn't working well. Now, Kaish, Intan, do you think we need more ministers to fight this pandemic? No, I think we need a better plan. Absolutely not. Exactly. Exactly, no. That's why we still can, why we still can, we need to focus on this existing law. Make use of it. Let's not bother ourselves, you know, to push more law. And even if people say that, you know, the existing law has loopholes on it, we need to cover up all the loopholes. I can briefly say that every law has loopholes if we really dig deep. Undeniably, people use that loopholes to go against the law. As of what we are witnessing right now, the law is not even fully used, it's not fully enforced. In other words, why would someone even look for loopholes on an unused law? The fact that the existing law is not even enforced, why should we cover up the loopholes instead? Well said. If you want to talk about loopholes and justice, if I may quote the then Lord President of the Federal Court, Sultan Azlan Shah, that how much justice is justice? We should really think about that. Because in every person's mind, justice is served differently. I might want it this way, others might want it that way. It's totally different. What justice is justice? Would justice prevail if the law is fully enforced? Like, are there any loopholes that prevent justice? personally think that justice should not be justified by greater law. It's rather the system actually that prevail or prevent justice. Yeah, um, sorry, but I would like to add points on the loopholes of the, uh, of the current EAIC because I think it is essential to highlight the loopholes so that we can improve our uh, current, the current laws that we have. So we can see that it has failed to ensure police accountability as um, I can say that it is not empowered to fully and fairly prosecute or even impose disciplinary actions for police misconduct. For me, it seems like um, the police officers resp are responsible for abuses are almost never prosecuted under the EAIC. Not to forget, the current EAIC is also assigned to investigate complaints from 21 different agencies, including the PDRM, in which I believe this broad scope of EAIC can weaken the agency's focus to carry out its duty more effectively. Thank you so much, Intan, for the in-depth explanation. So, as uh, Danish mentioned earlier, in terms of Black Lives Matter and how you know social media and the media was playing a big role, um, I'd like to ask you guys if, um, in your opinion, do you think the media plays a role in combating issues of police brutality? Okay, and particularly, I'd like to ask in terms of the media scrutiny whether or not it's effective in pressuring change towards police brutality and more so to what extent can it be harmful for the victims of police brutality if the media is silent all right let's hear from danish like i mentioned just now the black lives matter i think we all heard of black lives matter from Twitter, instagram facebook pages not sure about you guys but i heard it from instagram and instantly go like yo what's going on and stuff so to answer that question, I think absolutely. Media since the early year of invention of technology has played a vital role in sending messages. News of George Floyd's death sparked rage on the internet. Everyone was mad. People are making movements and protests. It was being carried out all over the world. In fact, if any of you guys watch football, now the players kneel before the match to show respect 
and highlight racial inequality what is going on. Never had that before this, but now we are having it. Imagine if there was no news coverage or a video about George Floyd saying that he can't breathe, who would we be today? It's amazing how a simple gestures of food can actually influence a whole community, huge organizations and literally a whole nation to fight against police brutality. I've set a standard so high that if you abuse your power, this is what you are going to get. You ask me how strong is the media, I would say that they are really, really strong. Positively and negatively. <laughs> to what extent it can be harmful for the victims, I would say that, like I mentioned, the media is a very strong platform. The fact that there are hundreds of unreported custodial deaths, as stated by Suhakam, actually really worrying. If lawyers would actually voluntarily represent all these victims of police brutality, that we are letting the wrongdoers off the sleeves. To remember that every unreported cases and uncovered death, murder walks away to find a new victim. I don't want that to happen. It's if the news covers their suffering, eventually know that there are still survivors of police brutality out there. And uh, Intan, in your uh, opinion, right, what initiatives can be further initiated by the media to divert attention on the miserable truth of uh, police brutality? Do, in your opinion, do you really think that, you know, the media should start uh, covering more issues in police brutality or, or not? Yeah, um, the media should play a vital role in educating the public and to create an informed society. Like I said earlier, the method through which I first found out uh, the, uh, about the police brutality was not through formal news media, but it was through a social media account. So when it comes to transparency, I think a lot can be done in terms of how the media operate. Maybe the media can help to empower the victims or the family of the victims to share their personal experience dealing with personal uh, dealing with police brutality and let their voices be heard. But I think maybe they are restricted because the media is not totally free. In which I think maybe um maybe because of the fear of repercussions from the law, as you know, we have our Seditions Act. Communications and Media Act, which suppresses our press and media freedom. But we're not going into details on that today. So, education, whether the media should cover more issues in police brutality, yes, absolutely. The media should really start and also constantly advocate against police brutality, okay. not only when it is so-called trendy. Yeah. So, it is sad, the fact that in order to ensure people hold this issue in their mind and keep on advocating about it, is when a big major case like another like another death in custody happens. And after a while, what happened? People will start to forget about the victims. And that is really unfortunate. And most of the time, I believe that we don't know who the police officers that handle certain detainees are. We don't know what are the regulations that surround the police conduct when it comes to detain people. And we also don't know whether the detainees are being treated in a human manner. So when we don't know all of these things, it makes it harder to hold the police accountable for their actions. Hence, the media should cover more issues on police brutality like this. All right, so we would like to uh, end this podcast soon by uh, having a few closing remarks by Ganesh and Intan. So I'd like to ask you guys if, um, you know, what can we do in, in terms of uh, prevention? for police brutality? Should society be more aware of police brutality or should we be more vocal about the matter? 
and also maybe a few uh, summarizing points to to say based on your uh, last few points from Danish and Intan. So let's start with uh, Intan first. Yeah, um, I think we should demand the establishment of agencies like IPCMC because I feel like there is a need to establish an agency that could police the police to systematically address the lack of accountability within the system. So passing the bill to establish an independent body would truly shows that the current government is serious, not only about the police reform, but also its commitment to respecting and securing the rights of formations. But then again, like what Danish said earlier, there is no use in demanding many laws to prevent police brutality if there is no strict enforcement to it. Because the part of the law which provides the means by which it shall be enforced is of as much importance as the law itself. So yeah, the demand for laws and agencies which could combat this issue is very much needed, and so is its enforcement. So whether the society should be more aware of uh, police brutality? Yes, absolutely. Society should be more aware about police brutality. Even when we think that we don't know much about it, I believe we can always find ways to educate ourselves about this matter. All prisoners or detainees must not be treated as lesser deserving human beings just because they are prisoners or detainees. For me, police brutality is horrible and most of the time, we trust them for our safety and security. Isn't it just sad that the very individual that we trust to protect us is the one who hurt us? And people, please, know that we have a bigger sphere of influence than we realize. First think about our immediate circle of friends as our, as our audience. But little did we know that our ideas ripple out from us, influencing our friends, friends of friends whom we may not even know, and friends of those friends as well, which clearly shows that we have a very enormous capacity to be vocal and raise awareness about police brutality and misconduct. Yeah, that's my take on this. Right, thank you, Intan. Let's hear from Danish. Well, I believe that police brutality is not something like you know, cleaning up the rivers. Not just go out there and start making changes yourself to treat police brutality as if it's the climate change. One person start doing something won't make a difference. Yes, you can, you know, go out and plant a tree every week and still it's not enough to combat climate change. What if the whole community is in it together? Whole world, even better. Imagine if 7 billion people out there going out to plant a tree. If that makes a difference, possibly it will, you know. I'm trying to say that in order to prevent police brutality, everyone together fighting this issue people the government the ngos and also like it or not we need the police too Morgan freeman once said if i want to fight with the enemy i will need an enemy by my side everyone has their own role on this matter the people we need to be we need to be more vocal on this bold we just fight whenever we can and just do whatever we can to spread the news use our social medias platforms be more educated on our rights is the thing that we can do as the people the government need to start doing something like you need to start doing it it's your position as the ministers to call them out fight for the people say fight for the people i mean you know actions you don't want more press conference or talk or forum on this we have a lot of forums on you know the ministers would talk about brutality but nothing is happening nothing changes you have the power to do it then do it and mentioned we have the ipcmc and ipcc bills that they are pushing 
I'm not really a fan of the IPCMC and also the latest one is IPCC bill. You know, if that can truly make a change, then do it. For the people, when the people can no longer do. On their behalf, when they are no longer talking. You are the representative of the people. You should know better. Everyone in this together actually believe that one way or another, our people will actually feel safe once more. And I believe that police brutality will always happen. Though we have fight for it, no matter how long our fight is, what we can do is maybe, you know, minimize the number of people like during custody and represent them, highlight their numbers or, you know, just cover their news, news with stuff like that. We can't stop things totally. At least we tried something. It's not, it's not something that, it's, it's not a waste. Something that we actually tried. Well said, Danish. Thank you so much. Looks like we've come to the end of our podcast for today. I'm Kai Jie, and before I sign off, stay tuned, stay safe, and stay healthy. Thank you. Until we meet again.